What do you do when you don't know what to say? Find out on this special edition of the Doc Washburn Show. Welcome to the Voice of the Resistance with Doc Washburn. We are the show that pushes back against the Uniparty and lets you in on the news that traditional talk radio is all too often afraid to talk about. This is episode 288 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show for Wednesday, November 23rd, 2022. Just so you understand where I'm coming from, I was fired by one of the biggest radio companies in America, Cumulus Media, simply because I refused their vaccine mandate. More evidence comes out all the time that a lot of people are having serious negative reactions to the vaccines. Also, I will never call Joe Biden president because it's obvious the last U.S. presidential election was stolen. I will never pretend a man can become a woman, and I will never forget about the January 6th political prisoners most Republican politicians refuse to even mention. And August 8th, 2022, the day the Biden regime's secret police conducted an unprecedented and unconstitutional raid on the home of a former president of the United States is a day that shall live in infamy. So this is a really different kind of talk show. We're unmasked, uncensored, and unfiltered. If you'd like to support what we do, go to our website, docwashburn.com, and click on the button that says Become a Patron. Also, please remember to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode. Okay, today is going to be an Information Overload Wednesday, but I don't want to make you wait. I want to start off with a question, what do you do when you don't know what to say? And here's what prompted this for me. I follow a guy who goes by the name Billboard Chris over on Twitter. He says he's a father of two girls. He's traveling North America to expose gender ideology and why children cannot consent to medical transition. And he's got a screenshot of an email he received from a gentleman in Canada, and he says, These emails leave me gutted. They're also terribly motivating. We have to work harder. And so here's what the email says. Hi, Chris. Firstly, I wanted to let you know how much I admire the tireless work that you've done and continue to do. It is because of people like you that I still have hope in humanity. You represent everything that is noble in the human spirit, and I cannot thank you enough for having inspired so many. I am writing to you because my greatest fear has come to pass. My daughter, who just celebrated her 12th birthday, has decided she is now a boy. Unfortunately, her mother has also been indoctrinated into the cult of gender ideology, so I am alone in opposing this. Like you, my family is all I care about in this world. But I feel that I have failed as a father to protect my kids from this evil contagion. I have not spoken with my daughter about this yet because I'm afraid of saying the wrong thing that will only end up alienating her from me. 
He says, I will try to arm myself with all the wonderful inf- – now, but we're going to come back to that, by the way, okay? Afraid of saying the wrong thing. I'm going to come back to that in a minute. He says, I will try to arm myself with all the wonderful information you have up on your website, which I hope will help me to persuade her that she is perfect just the way she is. I realize what I am up against, social media, peer pressure, the education system, and mainstream media. I feel like I'm living in an alternate reality much of the time, but I cannot give up fighting for my kids. I know you must get letters like this all the time from concerned parents, and I know how busy you must be. But if you have any words of advice on how best to approach this, I would very much appreciate it. He says, as a fellow Canadian who knows what it is, who knows what it is to live in the belly of the beast, Thank you again for all that you do. I hope someday to shake your hand. All the best. Now, Billboard Chris says the girl, this girl is in extreme danger, and there's almost nothing her father can do to stop it. Among many whom he can thank for that is the so-called conservative leader of Canada, Pierre Polievre. I don't know how to say his last name, who voted to call it conversion therapy if this dad tries to help his daughter feel comfortable as a girl. He says, I myself am technically at risk of jail time for helping this father to keep this girl away from anyone who would affirm her delusion or medicalize her. I welcome the Trudeau government to come after me. This law is a joke and needs a challenge. So, let me go back to what Dad said here. Um, I have not spoken with my daughter about this yet because I'm afraid of saying the wrong thing that will only end up alienating her from me. How often do we neglect to speak up because we are afraid that we are going to say the wrong thing. Have you ever been in a relationship, in a marriage, in which things are going really bad, and you're afraid you're going to say the wrong thing so you don't say anything? Have you ever come to the conclusion, well, I can't get in trouble for something I don't say, and I don't know what to say, and I'm afraid I'm going to say the wrong thing, even though I want to say the right thing. I don't know what the right thing is to say. I'm afraid I'm going to say the wrong thing, and I'll get in trouble. So I won't say anything, because I can't get in trouble for not saying the wrong thing. Have you ever been there? Because I certainly have. I was um, being counseled by a pastor who became a good friend of mine about 18 years ago. 
I was watching the dissolution of my marriage. And I didn't know what to do about it. I didn't know what to say. When you're young and impetuous, you can sometimes say things you later regret. And so I had been trained over the years in the hope, in the deeply felt need to not mess things up by saying the wrong thing. Just to not say anything. Now, the Bible says a soft answer turns away wrath. But it doesn't say, just don't say anything. And I gotten those two ideas confused. I don't know if you've ever been there. But... Um, this pastor who was counseling me back in 04 told me something that nobody had ever told me before. I'd never heard it anywhere. First of all, he recommended a book called The Silence of Adam by a guy named Dr. Larry Crabb, and the whole title of it is God calls men to move beyond the silence of Adam, becoming men of courage in a world of chaos. And he explained some things to me which just blew my mind and made me realize that the modus operandi that I had settled on, the way of behaving that I had been trained to behave was actually sinful, actually wrong. Actually, remaining silent makes things worse. Who knew? I didn't know. So what is, what is this based on? He said, well... He said, have you ever looked really closely at what happened in the garden when the serpent tempted Eve? Has God really said? And she really didn't know how to answer him. She really was not equipped, and she finally saw that the fruit was pleasant to the eye, and she ate of the fruit. And then it says she handed it to her husband. Okay? It doesn't say she went and got him. He was right there the whole time. Didn't say a word. He did not respond. He did not protect her by jumping into the conversation with the serpent, the evil one, the silence of Adam. I never noticed that. 
So in giving me the book, what my friend told me is, instead of following the example of our earthly father, Adam, and keeping our mouth shut because we're afraid we're going to say the wrong thing, we must follow the example of our heavenly father, who spoke order into chaos to create this universe, this world in the first place. He is our example of model behavior, our heavenly father, not our earthly father, Adam. And that blew my mind. He told me a story of a real-world example And he shall go unnamed for obvious reasons. But um, his wife had a large extended family. And um, some of the people in the extended family had substance abuse problems. So it was not unusual for... a niece and nephew of his wife to be living with another one of her sisters instead of with their own mother, so living with an aunt. And the best I recall it, one of her sisters, the one who was taking care of a niece and nephew, had cancer and had very strong drugs she's supposed to take for this cancer. Just take a minuscule bit of it. It was a liquid. And um, the nephew, who I guess was around 18 or 19, if I recall correctly, got into the liquid cancer drug and just guzzled it. And it would have been enough to kill an elephant, to kill a bull moose. And it killed him quickly. When nobody else was home. And so, when my friend's wife found out about it, she freaked out. She was out of control. She was screaming. It was a chaotic scene. And my friend told me that he had to grab her by both shoulders and yell into her face, real close, yell into the chaos. What did he yell? He said, we do not mourn as the heathen do. We do not mourn as those who have no hope. And she began to calm down. Now, if he didn't know any better, He would have just kept his mouth shut and waited for the fury and the chaos and the outrage, the maelstrom, to subside if he didn't know any better. Because it is human nature 
to want to remain silent so as not to say the wrong thing. But what the believer in Christ must do is say a quick prayer like Daniel did before he was going to speak to the king. Daniel prayed and he said, What the believer in Christ must do is to say a quick prayer and then speak order into the chaos. That is what you must do. I'm so thankful that my friend explained this to me and gave me that book because I didn't know any better. You know, it's it's one thing to realize you're a sinner and you need to repent of your sin. It's one thing to have a pretty good idea of what a lot of those sins are. It's another thing to have it revealed to you that you have been practicing a sinful behavior that you had no idea. You didn't know. You had no idea that this was sin until the word of God is applied to your sinful behavior, to your standard operating procedure, and the scales fall off of your eyes. I didn't know. I know now. It came as quite a shock. I wasn't expecting to hear that I thought I had arrived at a reasonable conclusion. Well, if she's out of control, irrational, unreasonable, hitting the roof, overreacting to whatever, which may or may not have even had anything to do with me, well, just let sleeping dogs lie, you know? Just uh, just chill. Just don't say anything and wait for it to pass. I had no idea that was wrong. But I found out. Again, the book is called The Silence of Adam. It's by a guy named Dr. Larry Crabb, and you can order it online and get it pretty quickly. And I highly recommend it. And I'm going to Recommend it to this uh, Billboard Chris guy because um, the gentleman who emailed him needs to hear about it. Every once in a while I see something online and it occurs to me, well, maybe I can help. Hey, I've got an idea. Maybe I can help. Um. More about that in in a few. Again, I can't tell you how blessed I am to be allowed to do this every day. And um, what I do for a living is to talk about whatever's in the news. As a Christian, when there are stories in the news that touch on matters of faith and morality, and most of them do, I try to be really clear really straightforward about where I'm coming from based on my worldview. 
which is shaped by God's word. So it's a blessing. People ask me, so what was it like when you ran for the Republican nomination for governor of Arkansas earlier this year? I said, well, it was wonderful. I said, I got to see a lot of beautiful places in this state that I now call home, got to meet a lot of wonderful people, and I got to share the gospel with a lot of people, which is more important than ever winning some kind of political race. So I know somewhere in the New Testament it says to do the works of an evangelist. I, I really don't think we all have the gift of evangelism. I don't believe I do, but we're called to do the works of evangelists. So, you know, if you bump into an opportunity, you take it. Whether you have the gift or not. So from time to time that, uh, that happens on the Doc Washburn Show. Anyway, I uh, I want to say thank you so much to our advertisers. They are our Christian friends who make it possible for us to do the Doc Washburn Show day in and day out, now into our second year. One of them is my friend Mitch Ward, owner of Red River Your Way. If you've tried to buy a car recently, you realize there's such a chip shortage that you may have a hard time finding what you're looking for. Now, people I know have actually bought vehicles from hundreds of miles away from where they live. That's where Red River Your Way comes in. Red River Your Way is a big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom, including the freedom to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV the way you want to online. You buy it online, they'll drive it to you, no matter where you are in the continental United States of America. Red River Your Way wants to make your car buying experience as easy and transparent as possible. That's why they have added technology to their website that puts you in complete control of your payment options and allows you to complete the entire purchase process online. But don't worry. Red River experts are still here to help you every step of the way if you have any questions. Red River makes it so easy. As you browse their selection, you'll see each vehicle has a button that says Explore Payment Options. You click that button and it guides you through a few easy questions that then create personalized payment options you have complete control over. All you have to do is adjust your preferences and all the math happens automatically so you can figure out what monthly payment works best for your budget. Red River Your Way makes car buying online easy. Your whole car buying process is completely transparent. If you want to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV, order online from the nationwide car dealer that believes in freedom, the dealer that will deliver your vehicle to your front door no matter where you live, redriveryourway.com. You will be glad you did. Big thank you to our buddy Mitch Ward at Red River Your Way. All right, now... Got to tell you about Patriot Mobile, America's only Christian conservative wireless carrier. Now more than ever, it's important to band together and support companies that share our conservative values. Patriot Mobile donates a portion of every dollar earned to organizations that fight for causes you care about. Patriot Mobile has exceptional nationwide coverage 
and uses the same towers the main carriers use. Patriot Mobile has plans to fit any budget along with great discounts for our veteran and first responder heroes, as well as multi-line users. When you switch to Patriot Mobile, you're shifting your support from the leftist progressive agendas of Big Mobile to the Christian conservative causes of Patriot Mobile. When you become a Patriot Mobile member, your dollars are helping to fund our God-given right to freedom. A portion of every dollar they earn is given back to the causes that support organizations that fight for First Amendment religious freedom, freedom of speech, Second Amendment right to bear arms, sanctity of life, and the needs of our veterans and first responders. Now, switching is easy. And it's easier still on this Black Friday week, this Thanksgiving week. They have a Black Friday special. If you're willing to give them a try for 60 days, they'll give you not only free activation, but the first month free. So just go to patreonmobile.com or call their U.S.-based customer service team at 972-PATRIOT. Make sure you use the promo code DOC, D-O-C, for free activation and this week only, your first month free. That's Patriot Mobile. Black Friday special, 972-PATRIOT or patriotmobile.com. Use the promo code DOC, D-O-C, for free activation, and this week only, your first month free. And thank you so much to Glenn Story and the crew at Patriot Mobile. We appreciate you guys so much for allowing us to do what we need to do here, day in and day out, now into our second year. All right, now, I want to share something with you. There's this fellow named Tom Renz, attorney, husband, father, patriot, freedom fighter, and he's one of these guys who does uh, articles over at substack.com. It's Tom Renz, R-E-N-Z as in zebra, dot substack.com. And the other day he came out with a new article entitled, I know I should be better than this, but if you're still wearing a mask for COVID, you're an idiot. So I want to share that with you. He says, I know I should avoid being rude, but when it comes to masks, I'm so far beyond done. It's not that I don't realize that there are exceedingly rare circumstances where people have no choice but to wear them. Rather, it is that now I see people so stupid that they are choosing to wear them because they still believe the COVID narrative. Much like continuing to promote the death jab and continuing to believe that six feet of separation makes any difference, Believing masks were ever helpful in COVID is, at this point, simply a sign of gullibility and ignorance. This article is more of a rant than anything else, so I'm not going to restate the incredible amounts of evidence demonstrating that masks not only do not help but actually create harm. Rather, I'm going to list a few very credible places you can look for yourself. 
He says, below are several documents and links. Within the documents are numerous studies and articles you can review yourself. Dig deep and tell me that this is incorrect. If you do, I'll respond that you're a liar or an idiot. This was submitted to federal court. And if you look at the dates of the studies, you will see they were all 2020 or before. So we knew this was garbage from the beginning. And he's got links. He says, this presentation is from Stephen Petty, the foremost expert on industrial hygiene in the country. I highly recommend him if you need an expert witness on masks. Then he has links to a couple of articles from Steve Kirsch at Substack, one called Do Masks Work? The other called Masks Don't Work, given further discussion of this stupidity. Steve is a highly successful Silicon Valley guy that realized the lies being pushed in the COVID narrative and has fought hard to share the truth ever since. I like his work on masks a lot. By themselves, the above documents and links clearly demonstrate that masks don't work. When you combine that information with the fact that people like Deborah Burks have admitted that they lied about the COVID narrative, and that Anthony Fauci and others have changed their stories more than most people change their underwear, the mask nonsense seems even less credible. Then, when you add to it that there is zero credible evidence supporting the general use of masks to prevent the spread of viruses, you can see this is just garbage. He says, my impetus for writing this article stems from the fact that I noticed masks were trending on Twitter, and when I clicked to see what people were saying, I still saw an incredible number of morons promoting them. I'm done with the virtue-signaling buffoons that have zero substance and are willing to do things like wear a mask so they can be high-fived on social media for being a good person when all they're really demonstrating is that they are sheep. Bah! Bah! I spent almost three years researching this nonsense in depth, and at the risk of sounding arrogant, you simply cannot win the mask argument against me. They don't work. They never worked. And while I am not going to fight with you, If I see you wearing a mask in public, you should know that instead of thinking how awesome you are for your nonsensical virtue signaling, what any thinking person is seeing is a sheep that would trade their common sense for social approval. I know I should be better than this article, but I am simply done with this nonsense. That is the great Tom Renz. R-E-N-Z as in zebra, at tomrens.substack.com. And it's an honor to share it with you. I like it when people speak out. 
Don't you? Okay, Technofog. I wish I remember what his real name is, but I can't remember. Lawyer, writer, and research. Lawyer, writer, and researcher. And he's got a... Uh, he also has a substack, and this is from just a few hours ago. Article entitled, The Vaccinated Now Account for a Majority of COVID Deaths. Subtitled, Thanksgiving for Fauci's Exit. He says, there's a remarkable concession appearing in the Washington Post today. Quote, a majority of Americans dying from the coronavirus received at least the primary series of the vaccine, unquote. The latest data shows that 58% of COVID-19 deaths in August 2022 were from people who were vaccinated or boosted. Based on past figures and the current trends, we can reasonably estimate that the number of vaccinated slash boosted COVID-19 deaths will only rise. In September 2021, the vaccinated accounted for 23% of COVID-19 deaths. In January slash February 2022, the vaccinated were 42% of COVID-19 deaths. Now they're 58%. This is what happens when you rush ineffective and dangerous vaccines. The FDA's promise of efficacy, 91% for the Pfizer vaccine, 93% for the Moderna vaccine, were always based on hype, not data. So too were the promises of safety. At the time of the official approvals, both Pfizer and Moderna had not submitted any type of long-term numbers on effectiveness. Their trials were polluted with the unblinding of participants and their safety studies are, quote, ongoing, unquote. Now, we're seeing efficacy numbers plummet within months of vaccination. The pandemic is of the vaccinated. The boosters? They're to the benefit of the medical establishment and the pharmaceutical companies as they mask the true problems with the two-shot vaccines. Even with these numbers... The outgoing Anthony Fauci continues to vouch for the jab, stating that the data overwhelmingly show the effectiveness of vaccines. What a miserable, prevaricating liar. He's just awful. But here he is. Clearly indicates that they're safe. Next, are they effective? And I believe you are all aware of this. If you look at the striking data overwhelmingly show the effectiveness of vaccines, particularly in preventing severe illness and deaths. It clearly indicates. No, no, no. Don't play it again. When I hit stop, I want it to stop. This is the same man who demanded school closures, inserted himself into the 2020 election by criticizing Trump's COVID-19 response while complimenting China. It's the same man who criticized Florida Governor Ron DeSantis for reopening Florida schools, all the while 
Fauci was lying to the public about COVID-19 origins. In May 2020, he told National Geographic COVID-19 could not have been artificially or deliberately manipulated. What he didn't tell us was that he and U.S. government clients were sabotaging and shutting down research and fact-finding into the lab leak theory. What he didn't say was that internal communications among himself and Francis Collins, head of the NIH, and Jeremy Farrar, revealed through a FOIA request by Jimmy Tobias, discussed accidental lab passage in animals and how the Wuhan lab was the Wild West and why the lab leak was actually a serious possibility while they were lying in public saying it couldn't be. Maybe we'll get the truth once Republicans take power. Fauci has promised cooperation, but be assured he'll continue to be the slippery little doctor. Reminds me of uh, Peter Lorre. No, no, Johnny, not, not the Melbourne method, Johnny. No, please. Then there's the lawsuit against the Biden administration where Fauci is being deposed today. It's a bit more difficult to evade questions from seasoned attorneys who have you for eight hours. In any event, tomorrow at the dinner table, as you contemplate your blessings and I, the turkey, give an especially heartfelt thanks that this little megalomaniac will no longer curse the public with his presence. That's the great Technofog over to, over at Substack. Technofog, F-O-G, dot Substack, dot com. Article entitled, The Vaccinated Now Account for a Majority of COVID Deaths. The Washington Post admitted it. So why haven't you heard about it? Well, you're not going to hear about it on Fox News. I'm just, I'm just telling you right now. They took money from Pfizer. You're not going to hear it on Fox News any more than you will hear criticism of BlackRock, the multinational corporation that's buying up all the homes and real estate. Why? Because they're running commercials on Fox News. I'm just telling you. Now, every once in a while, Tucker Carlson will surprise us. And they'll get the truth out there. But he's like an oasis. I mean, it doesn't happen often. Now, I was talking earlier about being able to use the Doc Washburn show to be a blessing to people. And that would include when I get the word out about the most well, the best kept secret in American healthcare. Let me explain this to you. First of all, how could it possibly help you? Well, are you having problems with sinuses and allergies? Are you having blood sugar issues, psoriasis, migraines? Are you experiencing dizziness, vertigo? The Arkansas Upper Cervical Center might be able to help you. Let me tell you how it works, because it really is the best-kept secret in American healthcare. Your skull tends to weigh anywhere from 8 to 15 pounds. It rests on the top bone of your spinal column, the atlas, or C1, which only weighs 2 ounces. So it's really easy for your atlas to get out of alignment. If it does, your whole spinal column can get kinked up like a chain. When that happens, 
your central nervous system isn't able to communicate with the rest of your body as it is designed to do. Now, I had severe hay fever five or six weeks every spring all my life. When I got my atlas adjusted, the hay fever went away, and it's never come back. The migraines went away, and they never came back. Again, if you're suffering from sinus conditions, allergies, vertigo, psoriasis, problems with your blood sugar, migraines, do yourself a favor. Call my friends at Arkansas Upper Cervical Center, 501-279-2009, for a free consultation. They've helped me. They've helped my wife. They've helped so many people we know. Please call them to see if they can help you. That number again for your free consultation is 501-279-2009. Now, if you're outside central Arkansas and you're thinking, man, I sure would like to be able to look into that, go to the website, turnmypoweron.com. Click on the tab that says find a doctor near you, and I sure hope you can. Many thanks to our friends, Dr. J.R. Crabtree and his wife, Dr. Tanya Crabtree. At TurnMyPowerOn.com, they have helped us so much. They're our friends, our doctors, and our advertisers. We appreciate y'all making it possible for us to do what we do. Leslie Eastman over at LegalInsurrection.com has a new article out entitled, Biden Administration Slammed for Signing Away $1 Billion in Climate Reparations. Subtitle, Despite Climate Czar John Kerry's Assertion, If It Walks Like Reparations and Talks Like Reparations, It Is Reparations. I would commend it to you. I'm not going to have time to read the whole thing, but you're probably going to want to yourself. All right. John Daniel Davidson at thefederalist.com, article entitled, The Respect for Marriage Act is an Exercise in Tyranny, and Everyone Knows It. Subtitle. The 12 Republicans who voted to advance the bill last week are gaslighting the American public about its real purpose. Here's what he says. It's not hard to game out what happens if the misnamed Respect for Marriage Act passes codifying the Obergefell Supreme Court decision and enshrining gay marriage in federal law. Everyone, including the dozen Republican senators who voted to advance the legislation last week, knows exactly what will happen. It's not some big mystery. What will happen is this. Christians, Jews, Muslims, and anyone else who dares to maintain that marriage is a lifelong conjugal union between one man and one woman, the definition of marriage for thousands of years until the U.S. Supreme Court descended from Mount Sinai with Obersfell versus Hodges inscribed on stone tablets. Everyone will be branded a bigot and driven from the public square and marketplace. Anyone who owns a small business related to the wedding industry, photographers, bakers, website designers, venue owners, caterers, florists, will be sued into oblivion if they refuse services to same-sex couples. 
Religious colleges and universities will lose their tax-exempt status, religious institutions of every kind. If they hold to their teachings and traditions about marriage, will face an onslaught from the Department of Justice and the federal bureaucracy. To paraphrase George Orwell's famous line, if you want a picture of the future, under the Respect for Marriage Act, imagine a boot stomping on Jack Phillips' face forever. Now, Jack Phillips is the guy who owns the Masterpiece Cake Shop in Colorado Springs that the gays keep on suing, even as he keeps on winning cases. The untrammeled exercise of power and the vigorous crushing of dissent is the entire purpose of this proposed law. There can be no other possible justification for it. Michael New, an assistant professor at the Bush School of Business at the Catholic University of America, recently told the Daily Signal that Catholic colleges and universities in particular might face ruinous lawsuits and loss of federal funding if the bill is signed into law. He said, and I quote, Suppose a Catholic college refused to allow a same-sex married couple to live in college-owned graduate student housing for families, they might be subject to all kinds of litigation. Such a college might lose its nonprofit status, their students might lose eligibility for federal financial aid, and their faculty might lose eligibility from research grants from government agencies, unquote. Well, yes, of course, all of that would happen. Democrats and left-wing activists hear these kinds of concerns from people like Professor Michael New, and they think, good. Let them face ruinous litigation. Let them lose funding. Ghettoize them. Crush them. Grind their institutions into dust. They deserve it, the bigots. All the more appalling, then, that 12 Republican senators voted to advance the bill, knowing full well what it will do. One wishes the explanation is just that these lawmakers are too stupid to understand what the purpose of the proposed law really is and what its effect will obviously be, but that's wishful thinking. If they're going to support this bill, though, do they have to pretend that we're all too stupid to understand how it will work? Does Dan Sullivan, the second-worst U.S. senator from Alaska, who once supported a constitutional amendment to ban gay marriage in the long ago of 2014, really believe that the Respect for Marriage Act makes important advances in religious liberty? Does Senator Tom Tillis of North Carolina, who 10 years ago, as Speaker of the North Carolina State House, supported a constitutional amendment to ban same-sex marriage in the Tar Heel State, does he really think the anemic amendments he and other GOP senators offered to the bill will advance religious freedom and age well? All the Republicans who voted to advance the bill last week issued some version of the nonsense Sullivan and Tillis spouted. None of them believe a word of it, though. They just hope you buy it. But you don't have to. 
Roger Severino of the Heritage Foundation helpfully walked through these specious claims one by one, explaining why they're wrong. At this point in the article, Davidson links to the Roger Severino article. No, the bill won't provide religious institutions with meaningful protections. Yes, the bill could certainly be used as a basis for the Internal Revenue Service to deny tax-exempt status to deny tax-exempt status to religious organizations that don't toe the line on gay marriage. Yes, it could also be used to deny grants, licenses, or contracts. No, weak language about preserving the Religious Freedom Restoration Act is not enough to prevent harm to religious liberty, and so on. The justification for the bill is just as outlandish and offensive as the argument that it presents no danger to religious Americans. In the wake of the Dobbs decision this summer, we were warned that some future Supreme Court opinion following Justice Clarence Thomas's logic could overturn Obergefell and other substantive due process rulings such as Loving versus Virginia, which struck down state laws banning interracial marriage. The purpose of this claim, in case it isn't bone-crushingly obvious, is to lump opponents of gay marriage in with opponents of interracial marriage to smear them as bigots who aren't just on the wrong side of history, but who are about to be on the receiving end of a federal government empowered to go after them. And if you think that can't really be how proponents of the Respect for Marriage Act, think about traditional-minded Americans, go ask Jack Phillips, Masterpiece Cake Shop in Colorado Springs, how he's faring after winning his Supreme Court case in 2018. That's a great John John Daniel Davidson, senior editor at The Federalist. The article is entitled The Respect for Marriage Act, is an exercise in tyranny, and everyone knows it. Yes, they do. Uh, Nationalfile.com has an article entitled, Washington Examiner Tells Kerry Lake to Turn on Trump and Accept Election Fraud. Both of those would be bad ideas, by the way. I mean, where does the Washington Examiner get off telling Kerry Lake to, to uh, stab Trump in the back? or accept election fraud, either one. Frankly, it's outrageous. By the way, I I told you the last couple of episodes about this new documentary out called Died Suddenly. You go to rumble.com and type in Stu Peters Network. Stu is S-T-E-U. And watch this hour-long documentary, Died Suddenly. So... Somebody I follow on Twitter who apparently is a chemist in Great Britain says, imagine a depopulation plan so diabolical and so perfect you could literally pull it off without 90% of the herd even knowing what was going on or even better, get the herd to ignore their own fate and actively participate in it. You are watching it in real time right now. Wow. I mean, people dropping dead from the vax. You realize that, right? 
people dropping dead from the vax. Okay. Let me uh, share with you what's going on in Arizona. Update. Article by Sean Fleetwood that dropped Monday at the Federalist entitled Arizona AG Demands Maricopa Officials Answer for Reportedly Mixing Counted and Uncounted Ballots. Here's what it says. Arizona ballots that couldn't be counted due to broken machines were mingled in some locations with already tabulated ballots, according to the Elections Integrity Unit of Arizona's Attorney General's Office. State officials listed numerous ways Maricopa County, Arizona, election officials failed to properly segregate, count, tabulate, tally, and transport ballots during the midterm 2022 elections, which likely resulted in significant disenfranchisement of Election Day voters. In a letter sent to the Maricopa County Attorney's Office by Assistant Attorney General of Arizona, Jennifer Wright, the Elections Integrity Unit of Arizona's Attorney General's Office notified the county that they had received hundreds of complaints since Election Day pertaining to issues related to the administration of the 2022 general election and as a result are demanding Maricopa County election officials provide answers for the chaos, confusion, and mismanagement of the voting process in a report to be submitted on or before November 28th, when Maricopa County must send its official canvas to the Secretary of State for certification. The complications raised in the letter include issues with the configuration settings of ballot-on-demand printers at over 60 voting locations in the county, which appeared to have resulted in ballots that were unable to be read by on-site ballot tabulator. In sworn statements provided to the Attorney General's office, Numerous Maricopa County election workers claimed that the printers in question experienced no problems when tested the day before the election on November 7th. As instructed by Maricopa County election officials, voters whose ballots wouldn't tabulate correctly were to place their ballots in a bin called Door 3. Despite claims from Maricopa County Board of Supervisors Chairman Bill Gates and County Recorder Stephen Richer that the so-called door three ballots will be tabulated at a central tabulation location after polls closed on election day, the county seemingly failed to adhere to state law when transporting and counting the ballots. Assistant Attorney General of Arizona Jennifer Wright wrote, and I quote, Maricopa County appears to have failed to adhere to the statutory guidelines in segregating counting, tabulating, tallying, and transporting the door three ballots. In fact, Maricopa County has admitted that in some voting locations, door three non-tabulated ballots were commingled with tabulated ballots at the voting location. Further, we have received a sworn complaint from an election observer indicating that more than 1,700 door three non-tabulated ballots from one voting location were placed in black duffel bags that were intended to be used for tabulated ballots, unquote. Also included in the letter are claims that election workers and voters have problems with checkout procedures, wherein voters trying to check out of a voting location 
due to the ballot printer problems were having difficulties doing so. Many of the voters who left to cast their ballots at another voting center in the county reporting, reported having to cast a provisional ballot as the e-poll books system used by Maricopa County maintained the voter had already cast a ballot in the original voting location. The reported issues and sworn allegations raised in Assistant Attorney General Jennifer Wright's letter are not the only documented concerns over Maricopa County's 2022 election misadministration. In a report released by the Election Integrity Network, election workers and poll observers alike reported experiencing widespread chaos on the day of and those following the election, with many pointing to faulty vote tabulator machines and the lack of an effective response from Maricopa County election leaders. A poll observer report from November 15th said tabulators would not scan ballots on the first try or many tries. Voters either spoil their ballot and try it again or drop the unscanned ballots in box three or some people just gave up and left. 40% of the ballots would not scan properly. Another poll observer reported the same day, tabulators aren't working. There was literally chaos in the poll. Many voters left without voting. According to a poll taken by the group, 84% of surveyed Maricopa County poll watchers, election workers, and other volunteers said they were not at all confident that Arizona's election results are completely accurate and honest. Did you get that? 84% poll workers, watchers, other volunteers said they were not at all confident Arizona's election results are completely accurate and honest. In another survey question, 94% said their biggest concern with Maricopa County's election administration was the voting technology. In the weeks following the election, which was overseen by Arizona's Secretary of State, who just happens to be the Democrat gubernatorial candidate, Katie Hobbs, Bill Gates has regularly attempted to normalize Maricopa County's delayed election results and downplay the apparent disenfranchisement of voters on Election Day. In a recent video posted to Maricopa County's Twitter account, for instance, Gates dismissed claims that the locality's tabulator issues constituted voter suppression while ambiguously adding that we know what voter suppression looks like in our country. He said the inconvenience and the lines that people experienced were unfortunate, but the fact is every voter had the opportunity to cast a vote on Election Day. Oh, so he's just lying through his teeth then. Maricopa County infamously resisted the forensic audit of the 2020 presidential election overseen by Republicans in the Arizona State Senate that was released last year. Despite his attempts to dump cold water on the justified anger of Maricopa voters, the impact of the county's election administration failures throughout the 2022 elections cannot be overstated, especially given the close nature of the state's 2022 races. While votes are still being tabulated in Maricopa County, as of this article's publication, GOP gubernatorial candidate Carrie Lake currently trails Democrat Katie Hobbs by roughly 17,000 votes. 
The state's contest for attorney general is even closer, with Democrat Chris Mays leading Republican Abraham Hamaday by less than 900 votes. As the second largest voting district in the country, Maricopa County is where over 60% of Arizona's population currently resides, with at least 20% of voting locations experiencing tabulator issues and Republican-leaning voters more likely to vote on Election Day. The misadministration of Maricopa County's elections could have disenfranchised enough voters to swing the results of either one of these elections. Well, they surely did. That's Sean Fleetwood over the Federalist.com article entitled Arizona AG Demands Maricopa Officials Answer for Reportedly Mixing Counted and Uncounted Ballots. So, I mean, as I've been telling you, they're stealing it. That's exactly what they're doing. The good news is that Carrie Lake had lawyers all over the place collecting video evidence as the steal was going on. So it is our fervent hope that they'll win in court. By the way, did you know NBC News is now admitting anti-vaxxers were right about COVID shots causing myocarditis? Did you know that? I didn't think so. Weird, the uh, the mainstream media is not talking about it. Speaking of NBC News, they had an article November 23rd. No, I'm sorry. Today's November 23rd. They had an article November 19th, 2020. Two years ago, reprinting from Reuters, remdesivir shouldn't be used on hospitalized COVID-19 patients, World Health Organization advises. I wonder how many people they murdered in American hospitals giving them remdesivir. Because you do know it happened, right? You, You do know it happened. I mean, there's no denying it at this point. So anyway, I think it's about time to say hit it, Brian. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. It's the Doc Washburn Show Tweet of the Day. Brought to you by RedRiverYourWay.com. Red River Your Way, the big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom, including your freedom, to buy the car, truck, van, or SUV of your choice online the way you want to. Have it delivered to your front door anywhere in the continental United States of America. Okay, today's Tweet of the Day is like a three- or four-parter. We start with the uh, the great talk show host out of Houston, Texas, Jesse Kelly, who says, I wonder how many Americans, including hardcore folks on the right, are going to be shocked when pedophilia is mainstreamed in less than a decade. He said, you will see an adult-child couple in a Disney movie in less than a decade. Guarantee it. So, a guy who goes by 44 Magna Blue 1 on Twitter responded saying, the current President of the United States openly fondles, sniffs, and makes inappropriate comments to young children, and no one on the left 
or in his inner circle says a word. To which Jesse Kelly responded, it really should be a bigger deal how Joe Biden conducts himself with children. That's how predators act, and everyone knows it. To which a gentleman named Matt Sweetwood, CEO of Greener Process, responded, Imagine if Trump or DeSantis did what Biden does with children even once. You'd see the FBI involved and the story on the front page of every mainstream media rag. Yes, you certainly would. But it clearly doesn't bother the FBI. It doesn't bother Christopher Wray. They, um, they couldn't care less. Oh, oh, one more thing before I forget. Daily Caller. Colorado mass shooting suspect walked free after previous alleged bomb threat. The district attorney won't say why. Got it? Daily Caller's comment, weren't background checks supposed to prevent people like this from getting guns? Oh, they got red flag laws in Colorado. Did you know that? They just didn't apply them. No way in the world this guy should have had a gun. So all these people saying, oh, oh, oh we got to take away guns. we got to pass laws. The, the laws are already in place. They just uh, didn't enforce them. And by the way, I'm not going to call Anderson Lee Aldrich they, them. I'm not going to call him Mix Aldrich. I mean, there are a number of things I would call him, but, uh, you know, folks aren't supposed to cuss. Yeah, what happened there? That See, that's going to disappear. That story's going to disappear because the mainstream media was lying about Matt Walsh, Tucker Carlson, folks like me, saying we're the problem. We're what led to it. It had to be a MAGA guy. The shooting at the Walmart in Chesapeake, Virginia last night, turns out um, it was a an overnight shift manager who happened to be black, so that's going to disappear. Yeah, he killed a bunch of people, but that's going to disappear. You you need a white conservative, you know, for the, for the mainstream media narrative. Anyway, um, CBS did finally figure out that the Hunter Biden laptop is legit. I think they're also about to drop a bombshell that uh, Abraham Lincoln was actually assassinated in Ford Theater. And maybe within 10 or 15 years... They'll tell you the truth about the uh, the Paul Pelosi quote attack unquote. Anyway, um, having said all of that, you've been listening to episode two eighty eight of the all new Doc Washburn Show. The views and opinions expressed on the Doc Washburn Show do not necessarily reflect those of our advertisers, but they love us and we love them. Today's program has been produced by Tim Terrible, directed by Mick Messy. This has been a terribly messy production. Portions of today's show will be taken overseas and dropped. If you'd like a transcript of today's episode of the all-new Doc Washburn Show, 
Simply peel the roof off a Rolls-Royce panel truck and send it to Mansour's Computer Solutions, 7th floor of the Ephemeral B. Smooth Building, Whitehall, Arkansas, in care of Sheriff Mansour Sempierre X. Brown, that's the way it is. Wednesday, November 23rd, 2022.